Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Thank you for joining me. everyone. Um, this is this season of 7 million bikes being recorded direct from government quarantine where I am at the moment. If you've been listening to previous episodes, uh, this is episode four. And so far we've interviewed myself, my wife, my roommate, and we've interviewed another inmate, another person who's here in quarantine. Today is the first episode from someone on the outside um, who's living semi-freely and is going to share today what that's like. So for me, I can understand what life is like on the outside. And for anyone listening, you can hear a perspective on life in Vietnam, what's happening at the moment, because things like most countries are changing day by day. And the guest today is the creator of the Ho Chi Minh Expat Saigon Group, which launched in February 2013. And this is one of the a few groups, but this is maybe one of the biggest ones, which is now nearly 10,500 members, which is a specific non-troll group. Um, and anyone who lives in Saigon will know that lots of the expat groups are full of um, people who are not too kind, and there's lots of trolling goes on, and it makes it a really ineffective place to have a discussion. And this group has, has been really, really effective at weeding those people out and making it a good place to go and have a discussion. 
He's also uh, worked in the financial markets and writes for Vietnam Oil Magazine on a monthly basis, does lots of education in the financial markets, and is also a big fan of stand-up comedy. So we've seen Lawrence at many shows. And so I want to welcome to this episode, Lawrence Young. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I do feel that um, I'm probably a slightly better placed having creature comforts. Uh, um, I really don't envy you being stuck in a gulag, although I do... Uh, understand that your um, your release date is pending. Yeah, yeah. So we're on day thirteen now. Um, so tomorrow, yeah, we we arrived two weeks ago. Yes, tomorrow will have been two weeks, and we're due to be out on Saturday morning. But um, just because of the volume of people, the testing might take a bit longer for the second test. So we're hopefully going to get that today. And fingers will be out Sunday morning. Sorry, Monday morning. Today being Thursday, right? I lose track of the days. It is Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see you on the outside again soon. Yeah. So how's things going for you? Um, good. I mean, obviously the last few days um, since the Prime Minister announced um, uh, guidance uh, on a lockdown. I think uh, using the word lockdown might be a little bit extreme. It's more on guidance. Um, but we have been uh, self-isolating for a couple of weeks already. I guess I'm quite fortunate in my job that um, as long as I have screens, access to Internet, I can function quite well. I don't need to be uh, necessarily in front of, uh, of people to, to function as normal. Um, so it's quite OK. Um, I still have to go out a couple of times a day to walk the dog. She still needs to do her business. Um, you know, and in the area that I'm in, it's, um, it's relatively quiet. Um, strangely, though, the first night that um, uh, we had the uh, guidance come in, there was a street party um, for the national holiday. So I, I do sometimes wonder a little bit about the, uh, the guidance and the two metre distance and no more than two people. Um, but I think we could all be found a little bit guilty, uh, everyone, uh, perhaps of uh, breaking some of the rules, um, although it's probably not very sensible. Um, but for us so far... Um, it's um, business as usual. We um, we did actually, I have to confess, do a bit of panic buying. Um, I went into a shop this morning on the ground floor and there are absolutely zero bags of pasta or rice on the shelves. So I don't seem to have been alone. Um, we knew that this, um, this lockdown, uh, if you want to call it that, was coming uh, about 24 hours before it happened, I guess because I run the non-trial expat group. Oh, just one thing there. You mentioned that it started in uh, February 2013. It started February 2019. I don't know how that long. That 2013 long. came from there, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, no worries. Thank you for uh, correcting me on that. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's ten and a half thousand members in just over a year. Um, if it was seven years, that wouldn't be that impressive. Uh, so, yeah, excuse me for breaking that one. <laughs> I did mean to say 2019. I have no idea where 2013 came from. Um, no so, in terms of being Thursday, the uh, Thursday 2nd of April right now, New Zealand's been in lockdown for over a week. Um, Australia, I don't think they're in an official We've been in a lockdown for a while. So you kind of mentioned there that it's not an official lockdown here. It's a guidance. Do you want to explain more? I, I kind of am following stuff on Facebook, but do you want to explain to me and explain to any listeners what's the situation in Vietnam right now? 
Well, I, I think um, with any population, if you suddenly try and attempt to put them in a, an, an immediate uh, lockdown, there's going to be a revolt. People don't quite understand that. And in many cases, people don't really like being told what to do. So there has been a gradual change and shift in the, in the guidance. Um, originally, it was um, any uh, establishments, whether they be hotels, restaurants, um, with 30 or more, um, were to close, and then a few days later, uh, almost a week later, that was reduced down to 20. Um, I think certain problems arose from that because a few establishment just took some chairs out uh, and went from a 30-seater to a 20-seater. Um, so it, it, it kind of really beat the point of the object for social distancing. Now we're at a point where um, everything's closed apart from essential uh, businesses, um, so frontline staff, hospitals, food obviously outlets still need to remain open. Um, but the guidance is no more than uh, two people. Uh, you should keep two metres distance, which I think we've all established is not a terrible idea. If you look at many countries that have been slow, uh, perhaps to roll out uh, some of this similar guidance, they are impacted a, a lot more heavily than, than Vietnam is. What are we now? 200 plus cases, no deaths. I saw uh, this morning that UK and Spain have had the biggest spike uh, in the last 24 hours. Um, the death rate is, uh, is topping uh, ridiculous numbers now. I mean, if you look at the United States, they're suggesting the death rate could be sadly anywhere between 100,000 and 250,000. That piece of data is pretty much useless because it's so wide, although I think you could pretty much pluck any number out of the sky. Uh, nobody knows for sure what it's going to be. We just have to let it on. Oh, but in Vietnam, um, you still see people um, pottering around. Um, you know, it's it's not a complete closure. People still need to exercise. They need to go and get um, basics, essentials from the shops. Um, but you do look at the roads and they are uh, extraordinarily quiet when you compare, you know, to what was, as you, uh, your podcast is called 7 million bikes, about 7.2 on the roads right now. <laughs> But certainly nowhere near the uh, the traffic uh, as normal. And then, so the the thing that I've noticed is that's had a massive effect on the air quality, right? Yeah, globally. I mean, there have been some rather unusual um, stories globally. Uh, you know, you look at Venice, uh, and the waters are clear. I mean, that's obviously rubbish. Uh, you know, algae doesn't disappear because everyone stops using um, the boating system in Venice. Um, I've seen uh, the, the comments on dolphins returning to British waters, etc. Um, photos, there are some wonderful photos, stags being seen in New York City, but then you go to other areas and the rats have taken over the city because they're obviously not using the bin system as well. Um, so there is an ugly side to that as well. In, in general, wildlife pollution, um, it is going to be uh, greener. But I think when as this all unfolds and progresses and we come out the other end, the whole world is going to be very, very different in the way that people interact with each other. Um, when you talk about, say, area managers or, or people flying uh, that, that govern jurisdictions, will they need to get on that plane uh, to go to a meeting? Will someone need to travel across the city in a car? Uh, I think you're going to find more video conferencing, uh, etc. I mean, for years I've worked for some of the biggest financial institutions on the planet. And, uh, and I've quite often found that there were too many meetings and very often um, it could have been written in an email. Uh, you get a number of people <laughs> turn up to the kind of 
um, pointlessly. And I think sometimes, you know, it, it was very often just to justify the senior's position who asked for the meeting in the first place. Um, I've talked to other captains of industry um, in Singapore in the last week or two, uh, where they have to do stock checks with uh, with uh, area managers. Uh, one of them in particular was a, a wood timber uh, manufacturer, and he actually had the guy walking around with a video conference screen showing him uh, in the warehouse what was going on, which means he didn't have to take a plane anymore to arrive there. I think going forward, uh, you, you will see companies start to change their ways that they, they, they function, that they, they commit to business as usual, which is obviously comes back to the greener phase. There will be less uh, air travel. There will hopefully be less people on the I mean, the other one as well, with so much manufacturing shut down, and we can see this in the, in the share price of um, WTI and Brent crude oil. Um, we've seen a 30% shave up on that. The manufacturing is there, so the oil production is not being used. It can only help, um, surely, um, to reduce the emissions that have been going out globally. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, it can only be um, better for the planet. Maybe the planet's telling us something. Stop it or I'll, um, I'll kill you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen a couple of kind of memes to that effect. Uh, I find it yeah. it's funny as well because... Um, I watched, have you seen the movie Kingsman? Uh, oh, yes, yes, I have. Yeah, quite some time ago. The movie. And it's funny because the, the bad guy in that seems to be the bad guy in every movie lately, even from like Thanos in, uh, in, in Avengers um, to the bad guy in Venom. Every, all the bad guys now want to kill human beings to save the planet. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's... Uh, you kind of like it's one of these ones where you're that you you don't really think like the, you can kind of understand where the bad guy's coming from. You're not like you're not like oh my god that's a terrible idea. You're like oh oh well, I kind of see his point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, maybe it is the plan is to just calm down. So what apart from like less traffic, less people? What does it feel like in general in Saigon? Is it surreal? Is it weird? Like what's the feeling right now? Because this is what we're well, going to be coming out to know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> surreal is probably the perfect word. Um, you know, you took, what's that film? We took, if we're going to talk about films, uh, is it eight and a half weeks later or something like that? The, the wakes up in a hospital, comes out, and uh, the streets of London are completely empty. I mean, it's uh, if, you, if you look at um, the wonderful footage that, that comes out, um, it, it does have a very surreal. Uh, I, I was living in uh, Anfu District Two, so um, I, I have, before this total um, lockdown occurred, had to head to my offices in the Tesco uh, Financial Tower, um, and there's it's a ghost town. There's just simply no one around. Um, it, it, it is quite an odd experience when you know what the normal average hustle and bustle of a busy day, a normal working day in, in Ho Chi Minh normally looks like. Um, but uh, it's not just here, is it? It's global. It doesn't matter where you go. Some of the bigger cities um, are just now completely empty. Uh, we don't know when this is going to end. Um, there is always a, a fear of perhaps a, a second run um, on the pandemic. Um, we wait for a, a virus 
weirdly, this morning, um, I heard um, BAT, British American Tobacco, have come up with some form uh, or claiming that they have actually found some form uh, of an antigen which is being grown in tobacco plants. Who knew tobacco would actually probably come back <laughs> and help us one day rather than be a um, but again, you know, you can't just fast track, or you can fast track, but you can't just release uh, anything new into the uh, human population without the trial procedure being um, followed. It can be fast track, but we're still looking at January next year. So what? how mm. long will this go on? I don't know. Um, if, if, if it turns out that that's correct and it's grown within plants, um, which does actually help it uh, um, be put out quicker, rather than human trials, uh, etc., then that can be a good thing. I, I hope by the time they found it, the markets all return, everything will return to normal. Um, this is the same company, um, Kentucky, uh, what they call Kentucky uh, Bio Production, KBP, which is part of BAT. Uh, and there's the uh, Oxford University. There's CEPI, who funds a lot of these companies around the world um, to try and find a solution. Um, they are all working hard. There's about seven major groups around the world that are working very, very hard on it. And they will. They will come in. Um, the Kentucky one um, that's come up with uh, a partnership with BAT, they uh, were the guys who found uh, a lot of work on the Ebola in 2014. So it's not their first rodeo. We will come out of this at the other end um, at some point, and things will return to normal. Um, what we're seeing <laughs> today will look very, very different in 12 months' time, hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm. So to ex expound a bit more on that, then, so obviously you, you worked in the financial markets for, for a very long time. Um, how many years is it? 20 years? 25 years, did uh, you tell me? 30, 30 years. Uh, 30, 30 years. years um, 14 years, long, long time, three decades. I'm an old boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been so through... You've seen the 2008 financial crisis. You've seen many ups and downs. Um, obviously, right now, people are panicking. Um, the markets are going down. Everyone's pensions are going down. Even when I was talking to friends in New Zealand who, you know, not not really, uh, they probably wouldn't call themselves financially savvy. But in New Zealand, you can see your pension fund. You get easy access to KiwiSaver and they, they can see it going down. Um, so what would you kind of, what do you say to people then that are worried or that are, um, are wondering where this is going to go? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, I, in 30 years, I've seen the, 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 the full cycle occur on a number of occasions. Obviously, in 08, 09, that was something different. Uh, that was um, sector heavy, uh, obviously subprime, which uh, brought down the banking system. Um, in 2019, 2018, we saw some market realignments. Um, but it would be a quarter, uh, maybe two, and then you're back to normal. We've had a a bull market for over 10 years pretty much since then. It's been one of the longest bull markets we've seen in, in many, many a year. Um, no one could have envisaged that a virus would be what brought down the markets this time. And it's not just one industry sector, it's all of them and it's all jurisdictions. So we've seen anywhere from the airline uh, industry down 75%, bailout comes and the stocks jump back 26%. Um, doesn't matter which which industry you look at or which um, uh, which exchange. I mean, the, the Dow Jones, the S&P, they're around 23, 24, 25% off. The Nasdaq, which is the tech area, uh, seems to have fed a bit better. 
uh, only about 14%, but it doesn't matter if you go to German uh, DAX or the French CAC 40 or the UK FTSE, all around 24, 25% off. So it's global, it's, um, it's everywhere. I would suggest though to people, hold your nerve. It, a, a loss is only a loss when it becomes a realized loss. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. For those though that need uh, access to funds, well now that's a different problem because you are forced to take those funds at a time when the markets are so, uh, so down uh, and that's very unfortunate. But for pensions, um, you know, if we do find a, a cure to this, a result to it, 12 months, 18 months from now, those losses will have reversed out to such an extent that hopefully it will almost become negligible. I don't know if we'll get back to some of the uh, highs. That could take a bit longer, and it probably will. Um, but you don't need to uh, to sell everything and, and suddenly say, right now, if anything, people should actually be investing in the markets because we're in a complete fire sale moment. Um, you only get to see this every uh, decade or so, and the last one was 08, 09. Uh, my advice, if, if there is liquid cash, is to, to look for value in completely undervalued stocks and purchase them because, you know, they will come back. Um, we, it's almost a given. Uh, it, it's very hard not to find something. Um, there are going to be losers, uh, for sure. There's going to be mergers and acquisitions, consolidation. Um, we've talked uh, in some of my previous articles uh, about where the winners might be. And it's quite obvious if you stop and, and apply a bit of uh, common sense to it all, things like Zoom, video conferencing, well, they are set to win massively going forward. FedEx, who will now be doing a lot more deliveries rather than uh, you know people actually being on site. Amazon, home shopping, these kind of things, they're all going to win out. So look for value, look for the, um, the good stuff that, that will win out uh, from all of this. There are going to be some losers, but hold your nerve. Um, I think that's probably the best piece of advice I can give to anyone. Don't panic so much. Hold your nerve. And and why do people panic? Because I like you know you see it on the news and it's like oh the price of gold's going up and, and the market's crashing and it seems like the world's caving in and I feel like now I'm getting to the age where I remember 2008 clearly and um, I remember being big into conspiracy theories and all of this and um and I mean, I, I've even talked to a friend that I haven't spoken to in years message me and tell me I should put any money I have into cash right now which um is the complete opposite to what you're saying right now um so what would you say to people who are who are panicking who are listening to the news who are thinking about like putting money into gold or cash or things like that yeah you're actually I mean again it's it, it comes down to uh, appetite to risk if um if, if somebody wished to uh to just hold cash and stick it under the mattress. Well, you have to take into consideration that in that situation, you're not actually earning anything. Um, you're losing against inflation. So at least 2% down at the end of every year. Uh, and there is still the risk of fire, debt, etc. So that's not a particularly great idea. Um, there are um, value uh, in the markets. There is always a knee-jerk reaction. If you look at, uh, if you followed it avidly, you'd, you'd see that there is a mass, mass sale. And usually a few days later, it comes back quite a considerable percentage. And that's herd mentality. Uh, every, you know, when one lemming jumps off a cliff, they all follow. Uh, so that's your real herd mentality in the knee-jerk uh, situation. Um, the one biggest problem is, you know, we all want to buy low, sell high. That's the, the golden dream. But trying to find the bottoms uh, can be quite tricky, as try, naturally trying to sell at the absolute high. 
Um, anyone who chases and tries to uh, to do that um, may actually find themselves sitting on the sidelines and missing out altogether. Um, because one thing I have learned over the years is that when markets recover, they also have a tendency to do it pretty quickly. So if you sit by and it suddenly jumps 2-3% in a day and you think, oh no, that'll come down again. And then the next day it jumps another 2-3% on that rise up, you're just going to miss the uh, the boat back up. Um, so mm. it's it's better to perhaps try and buy in drips on the way down and then let those positions reverse out um, as it all starts going back up. You, you can't um, beat herd mentality, uh, sentiment as a whole. When it happens, um, you've just got to ride it out. There's, there's really nothing you can do. Um, it doesn't make sense. If you look at the pricing of some of the, the, the assets that are available, out there, stocks, bonds, etc., they are not priced correctly. Um, and it's the wise people who probably notice that, see it, and understand it, who then take on buying into those, uh, those type of assets that will end up in three, six months' time laughing, quite frankly, uh, with a very, very healthy uh, bank balance. There's well, my next question was going to be, so... My next question was going to be, um, how long do you think it will take then to get back to normal? Or is that too difficult to say? Well, you know, I mean, we could say how long is a piece of string. Um, the, if you look at where this all started, um, China... Uh, although, you know, let's, let's not get involved with the conspiracy theories that it, it came out of a laboratory or anything. I think we can safely say it came from, uh, from China, uh, a wet market, food market. Um, they were the first mm. to be hit in Wuhan, and the whole economy uh, reduced down massively. But uh, I was talking with um, the uh, German uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, director uh, this morning, um, and he's basically saying that... Um, the economy in China is showing signs of recovery. Businesses are starting to reopen, um, especially German businesses, because it was relevant to our conversation. Um, yeah, it's all starting to look good again. Um, schools, I believe, are reopening. Businesses are back online. Uh, factories are reopening. Um, I think a little bit of caution needs to be um, adhered to in, in such that can we trust everything? But when I speak to people who I know, rather than perhaps a government official, I'm going to take their word as gospel rather than what I read on a on news site. Uh, maybe not be completely true. And it does seem that um, from that perspective, if the first areas that got hit and got hit badly are actually in a period of recovery, then it's a question of time for others to get over, flatten the curve of what's going on, um, get their healthcare systems into gear and, and be able to contain it, and we should come out the other side. So I, I mm. think you're within three to six months, we should. I mean, it's going to be probably the end of the year. You're not going to see a vaccine until early next year by the sounds of it. So it's all about control, um, I, I think. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm geared up for some of my positions to uh, mature, I hope, within the next three months and six months. Um, normality, I don't think we're ever going to see normality ever again compared to what we were before. Um, it's just going to be different. But from a market perspective, I think, yeah, we should be uh, within six to nine months. Um, you should see um, a lot better position than we're seeing right now. So those with the pensions, um, you know, as you said, sit tight, hold on. Um, hopefully they don't need to start drawing on it anytime soon or in the next uh, six to 12 months. Mm. So 
I've, we've never spoken about finance ever on this podcast before and never spoke in so much detail. So before yeah. we move on, what I want for anyone who's listening who might be thinking, why does this matter? Because I know, I know, again, I feel a little bit older now. When I was younger, I just didn't understand. And not that I fully understand now, but I think I get a little bit understand more of how everything in the global is connected. Why why should people care about the market, whether you've got shares, stocks, bonds, whatever? Why is that important to the average person? It, it affects everyone, whether they're involved in, a, in owning uh, stocks or bonds or not. It's irrelevant. Uh, every single piece of this is the, is the economy, uh, the driving force. Um, when we, when we look at um, governments and how they react to uh, stimulus packages, we've seen $2 trillion come out of the United States and how that will be um, passed out to an individual. Uh, each American gets $1,200, a child gets 500 The UK are, are looking after not just um, individuals, but people who are self-employed. You need this. The European zone have had to do the same. Uh, industrialized countries uh, have more cash flow. Um, that they can pump into the economy and keep the stimulus going. Uh, if you look at the uh, various, the first stimulus package went to uh, airline companies, but they are so in ingratiated. You might wonder, well, why are these airplane companies being given all this money? You know, the, they've got so much money. Why do they need it? But it's not just the airplanes. It's the airports, the, the guy who works in, uh, in the coffee shop in the airport or the supply chain, you know, who makes the rivets that go into the plane. There are so many millions and millions. It's so far extending that people don't just see um, the bigger picture. They just see the airplane company, why are they getting money? If you take that out uh, and destroy it and allow it to go into free fall, then millions end up without a job. And without that, you can't, they don't have enough money to go and buy or stockpile toilet paper anymore because um, you know, they haven't got any money. But, yeah, I know, a bit of a joke there, but uh, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> so it's yeah, yeah. whether 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 people realise how important uh, the underlying pinning of an economy is, um, they will only notice it when it actually starts hitting them in the wallet, um, and that won't be a quick thing. It will be a slow um, destruction of economy, uh, which will then be noticed in um, the wallet eventually. So it is important that the economy as a whole continues to thrive to keep the underpinning uh, of everyone in a job. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really key. Whether you own stocks or not, it's, it's almost irrelevant. Awesome. Well, so let's move on to um, Ho Chi Minh expat group Saigon. Tell us what was your yeah. motivation then for that? Uh, well, that's, that's an easy one. Um, I mean, I, I lived in Malaysia for years uh, with my partner, Laura, before we moved to uh, Vietnam. Um, so this wasn't our first rodeo. The company, uh, we used to manage the uh, Kuala Lumpur expat group, had about 45,000 members. So when we arrived in Vietnam, I just noticed, uh, uh, and I, I'll keep my language clean because I'm a non-troller, um, but it was pretty awful. Um, you ask a basic, simple question, and you were met with just such ferocity uh, and, and rude behavior. So I actually went out and I tried to uh, link up with um, admin from all of the um, Saigon expat groups. And unfortunately, not one to ask basically if I could become an admin because I could see where the problem was. Um, but no one replied to me. So it became uh, more of a, well, you can't 
joined and beat them. Uh, and we started it. Obviously, I didn't know where this is going to go, but we did market it as the non-troll, the only non-troll. And um, yeah, a year later and 10,500 members. I, I remember, without mentioning any names, um, one of your earlier podcasts, um, you, you spoke to someone else who'd started something similar. And at the end of year one, if I remember correctly, they, they mentioned they had 500 members. At the end of our first year, we had over 9,000. So I guess the the non-troll um, idea or concept is is very well received by an awful lot of people. And we do get people comment um, when they're joining saying, you know, thank God there is one site. Uh, although, you know, things do slip uh, and we do have our fair share uh, of um, naughty remarks and whatever. I, I can't monitor it 24 hours a day, but we do our best. And we've re- removed... Um, over 10% uh, since launch. Um, so that's well in excess of a 1,000 wow. people. Have, I've not been allowed in because they don't have a profile picture. And when you click on it, you can see it's a fake. Uh, anything that's less than a year old, we usually redeem deem that as to be something a bit dodgy. So we check though. Most of those don't get in. Real estate. Oh, oh my God. Real estate. What can I say about that? <laughs> Far too many. So uh, we remove most of those. We do ask them to not post, but to only reply. Things like that. Um, and anyone who trolls someone, well, there's there's no debate. They just get removed uh, instantly. We, we don't even have a way over them. We just remove them. And it works. It seems to work. Well, I think it works. We get enough feedback that suggests that the people are, are quite happy with it. No, yeah, it's definitely probably one, maybe one of the only few groups that I, that I would reach out to or use or post in because um, because it is that safe space. And it's funny you mentioned that. So yeah, I interviewed it with Susan Lee that we, that I interviewed who'd created the Saigon Fexpats group, and then they created one that was yeah. open to everyone with the same same yeah. premise of non-troll. And I remember that, I think it was the first time I probably spoke to you or I even had an interaction with you. You called me out because I didn't give you the I said the numbers wrong for your group, which I think I said was. <laughs> A few thousand. I think I said you had a thousand or two thousand at the time, which I, I didn't know. I should have. I should have. Shouldn't have spoken without knowing my facts. And then you yeah. message when you're like, it's actually five thousand. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we we actually have a number of them now. Um, we don't just have the uh, Ho Chi Minh um, group. We launched um, the Da Nang non-troll expat group and the Hanoi non-troll expat group. Uh, we even uh, launched one in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Uh, we don't necessarily need to be in the jurisdiction. Um, it's about monitoring and, and just checking and making sure that they run smoothly. Uh, and they're all grown um, with their various degrees of success or, or failure, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, yeah, it's trying to just create safe spaces across Vietnam that people can come together as a community and talk and ask questions. You know, you get a lot of people who, uh, who come in and they just want to know, or well, where do I go to, to get this, or how do I do that, visas, whatever. I know that many questions get asked over and over and over again, um, but, you know, not everyone's been here for five years. People arrive, you know, they're here and they don't know, and that whole point of an expat group is to be able to ask those questions safely. So, yeah. Um, hopefully we've created something that's useful. Although I do have the, uh, I hope you don't mind the uh, the, uh, the plug here, but um, justlandedvietnam.com uh, is another one that I launched. It's got 120 odd articles uh, on everything from driver's licenses, um, visas, schools, hospitals, dentists, uh, and then something a little bit more exciting, just things to do in each jurisdiction, whether it be Hoi An, Phu uh, Quoc, uh, Hanoi, Da Nang, wherever. Um, hopefully, mm. people find that useful. 
Yeah, yeah, that I forgot about that website. Yeah, that just launched what about a month ago, six weeks ago. Yeah, it's not been long, but uh, you know, a lot of the articles there. Hopefully, uh, I, I think really it'd be useful for people who are just arriving. Um, mm. It's uh, we try to make sure that you know that they know uh, if they get in trouble, what, where does my insurance work? What hospitals does inpatient outpatient services? That kind of thing. Um, International mm. schools in general, everything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it's, it's definitely um I think helpful for the community. So we um we'll move on to um I'm gonna ask you some questions in a second that I've been asking everyone. Um, what um so what's next for you guys over the next couple of weeks? Like, how are you keeping busy? How are you? What are your coping strategies for being essentially in lockdown? Well, weirdly, um, my business has gone through the roof. Um, I I'm, I hate to say that because I. I'm very uh, aware that unfortunately a lot of people are really, really struggling right now, and I, I, I'm the first to, you know, feel very, very apologetic that, you know, with the with the schools closed and people are struggling to to do teaching. I, I know that's moved online an awful lot more. Um, I've seen uh, gyms closed, so people are trying to do videos uh, online uh, to try and exercise in your home, and they're all genius. Brilliant, brilliant ideas. Fantastic. Uh, I think people are starting to learn to be a little bit more innovative and creative in, in how they, they try and earn a living. Um, some people, unfortunately, um, it's just not possible. You don't have a skill that can be taken into the, the digital world, the online world. Um, for me, though, because the market's in such turmoil, I've been absolutely inundated with uh, requests of, oh, well, how do I get in now? Because a lot of people have worked it out that this is a really good buying time. Um, but we've mm. already talked about that. I don't want to keep up with that. Um, so for us at the moment, work is very, very healthy. Um, uh, my, my brother, for example, uh, he's, uh, he's an entertainer, a uh, magician. Um, so now he's doing online lessons and, uh, and creating little magic shows for the parents to show their children, because quite frankly, I don't think parents have had this long with their children. They don't know what to do with them anymore, but them yeah. in front of a TV and hopefully put a little video on and, and keep them amused in different ways. Um, yeah, so I, I have to admit, I'm very impressed with the way that people are adapting to working from home and what can you what can you do? How, how inventive can you be? Uh, it's incredible mm. and good to so yeah, we're, we're fine. We're busy. Um, I, I, it's our anniversary today. I'm going to plug that. Uh, oh, congratulations! Thank you very much. Um, Laura's sitting here with me. Uh, we're starting our fourth year uh, together. So uh, thankfully, I'd been out shopping a few days back before um, the uh, lockdown um, and bought some lobsters. So I, I know what I'm doing today. I'm going to be cooking for the rest of the day, uh, being the good boyfriend. <laughs> Very nice, very good. Right, well, to finish up, I'm gonna. We've been asking questions about first thing you would do getting out of quarantine, but you obviously that doesn't apply to you. So what? But you're but you're in lockdown. So the first question would be, uh, what bar? Where would you go for your first drink once the lockdown is over? Well, I have to say it's probably not going to be Buddha Bar. I don't think that's open anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Buddha Bar, but uh, yeah, deserved. Um, I don't know. Where would we go? Uh, I, I think we'll probably head back into uh, town. Um, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, D2, we, we've only been able to wander around uh, and food. And it's, um, yeah, it's probably getting a little bit boring here, a bit boring. So probably the deck, good food, good, uh, it's just a beautiful view, isn't it, the deck? I'll go with the deck. 
Yeah. Sweet. All right. Deck for drinks. And then what restaurant would you go to? What's the first place you'd go to eat once the lockdown is over? I'm afraid that's the same answer. Uh, yeah, the deck. Uh, I just love that place. It's just a, a nice, really chilled out vibe uh, looking out across the water at the evening. And the, I mean, the food's fantastic. It's, uh, it's very, very good. And we'll go, okay, we'll go your second place then <laughs> after the deck for food. Yeah. Let's give a plug oh, to the, the someone in the food and beverage industry. Uh, where would you go, Laura? What would you like to do if we were allowed out? She's, she's gone all shy on me straight away. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there has to be the Indian uh, background there. So, what's the name of that one? The, um, what's it called? The um, uh, Indy 2. What it's called? The Garden. Benita? Benaris, that's it. Benaris. Have you tried that one? That's I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, they have one in D1 and D2. Uh, Benaris, the, it's called Benaris the Garden, I, I believe. Gardenia. Gardenia. That's all it. Right. Gardenia. I'll put that on the long list of things to do. Yeah, I'm sure you are. And then once this is all over, what's the first thing you would do? Where would you go? What would you do? Well, um, I think I'd like to uh, jump on the bike and actually go somewhere. Um, you know, I haven't been stuck in Anfu for a, a number of weeks. Uh, it really is driving me a bit crazy. It's almost like cabin fever. Um, I, we just need to get out of the city. And, and probably burn all my masks. <laughs> Set fire to all the masks I can possibly find. Have a big old bonfire, <laughs> mask bonfire. <laughs> how many have you? How many have you gone through? Uh, well, we've got we've got a couple of boxes still knocking around the house. Um, yeah, I mean they're the disposable. So you know we we probably do wear them for a couple of days and then you open the bin or the elastic breaks or whatever. But uh, yeah, um, I, I, I get it. I mean, we need to wear them. And I've, I've been wearing them from day. We always used to wear them on the bikes anyway. But uh, uh, it's um, just walking the dog seems uh, overkill. But yeah, I can't wait to get rid of a bit of normality again. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, um, thank you very much. And before we go, do you want to give a plug then for what, what's going on for you? How can people get in touch with you if they're interested in, in, in anything to do with expat life or with the financial markets? What can they do? Yeah. I mean, if they come and join, it's the Ho Chi Minh Expat Group Saigon. Or, or just look me up on Facebook, Lawrence Young. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. A lot of my articles there on markets are... Uh, uh, they give tips on what to buy. Um, they're all free of charge. And they're date stamped, so you can even go back and check to see how if I'm actually any good at my job or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, touch me, uh, Lawrence Young on Facebook, uh, uh, Lawrence Young, uh, Lawrence.Young at wholebornassets.com. Um, you can find me in, in, in numerous ways. Uh, and I, I don't mind uh, spending a bit of time chatting with people, individuals, if they want to um, to to get involved in uh, markets, we can we can pretty much help everyone. Um, there's uh, depending on nationality, there are different rules, but we can pretty much help everyone. And uh, yeah, and I do mean, they have great to time. be? Do they have Sorry? to be based in Vietnam to contact you? No, not not at all. Um, I was having Skype calls with um, some teachers in China um, yesterday. Uh, I weirdly have ended up with clients in uh, somehow in 26 different countries. But then I guess that's because expats were all quite transient, aren't we? So we move around 
Um, previously, with my years in Malaysia, a lot was oil and gas, and now, of course, they're in Kazakhstan or Texas, wherever. Um, so, no, it doesn't matter um, where you are. I mean, we can function and do our job from anywhere in the world, uh, and everything we do is um, it, it can be transported with you around the world as well. Um, everything's liquid and can be moved as long as we've got access on on Skype. It, it's, um, you know, it can always be managed from a distance. So, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I will repeat, though, that there are different rules when it comes to becoming tax efficient. Uh, for, say, for as example, a uh, United States citizen under FATCA rules would be differently treated to someone from the UK. But this is probably just as important as understanding what to buy in the markets as well as becoming tax efficient. So anywhere in the world, doesn't matter, it's totally relevant. I can help anyone. Awesome. All right. Well, congratulations. Congratulations, Laura. Four years of uh, putting up with Lawrence. That's, uh, that's an achievement. Um, enjoy, enjoy your lobster. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the outside and we will have a nice frosty cold beer. Absolutely. I've not had a drink for about three weeks sir, and I didn't realize that until last night. So I will be looking forward to catching up maybe one of your um, your next uh, comedy gigs. Uh, do you know when that might be resuming when you get out? Mm. Any, any no, ideas? Uh, no idea. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I will keep my eyes peeled out for, for when you're uh, And uh, yeah, I hope both of you are, um, are doing okay. I know you've got a few more days to go to before you, uh, you're released uh, and back into the wide world. Um, I hope the care <laughs> packages are, uh, are coming in handy for you both. I saw you, uh, you might be receiving individual care packages. Well, we did in the beginning, but they stopped it after two days. Um, so, but luckily, we got enough supplies in in those first two days that's been able to see us through. The main one is right. coffee. We've just literally like coffee's just uh, what we've. So we've not really we've not had any drinks either. A couple we had a couple of beers in the care package, but um, that, that's for two weeks a couple of beers doesn't really count as much. So it's yeah. mostly been a uh, coffee getting us through the day. And some snacks, yeah. but it's all good. But um, yeah, no, it's fine. We, we uh, we appreciate being back in Vietnam. We appreciate being looked after. We've no complaints about being here. It's just uh, looking forward to getting back to our mattress. We sleep on a hard wooden floor. Um, yeah. No AC, so it gets quite hot at night. Um, there's three of us in this room, which you know we we call our apartment. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's simple to what you said. It's just all very surreal. I'd like to ask you one question uh, that you've just thrown at me, and then we can end it there if that's true. Um, you just asked me what's the first thing I'm going to do. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out? Uh, cold drink. Is the three of us are just dying for a cold drink. Just anything with ice in it. We, it's hot here. It, the sun comes in our room. We just have water and coffee and a vitamin C drink. So anything cold is just that's that's what we want more than anything. Yeah, no, I can get that. I understand. Well, hopefully that's not that far away. Yeah, cheers. All right. Well, have a good day, guys. Enjoy your anniversary, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much for inviting us on. I appreciate it. No cheers. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, 
or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.